Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And it is an opportunity to share with you some of the experience and knowledge and recommendations that we gleaned over many, many years working as clinicians and in particular working as facilitators of a pet loss support group. And Nancy did that for more than 30 plus years. I'm working, I guess, on my 12th year. And we compiled what we learned into a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And this medium, which we've been doing for, this is our 89th program. Yeah. So a little more than, I guess, a year plus is the opportunity for us to share with you directly and share with a large dispersed audience. And we like very much to dialogue with you. And we like very much to hear your stories, your recommendation for topics, your recommendations for guests. And when you send us a story from your own life, we will respond to it and if you give us permission, we will likely share it on the program at some point. Mm-hmm. We find that these sharings of people's personal stories is incredibly helpful and gratifying for others. So mm-hmm. consider that. And if you send us a story, please let us know in the note that you send us whether or not it's okay to mm-hmm. share it on the program. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez. That's N S A X T O N L O P E Z at C S M P C dot com. You can also support our program with a gift through Venmo or through PayPal. You can subscribe and you would do that through the Anchor podcast system. That is all of those things are very welcome. We certainly are happy to receive gifts, but we also know that that is not something that everybody can do or is inclined Mm -hmm. to do. So don't feel bad if you don't give us a gift because we do this because we just think it's important and we love to offer the assistance that we can that we can offer through doing this. The program is also a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a multi-service animal shelter and train animal human bond helper system. And you can learn more at dakinhumane.org. And that's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. I'd like you to know also that Dakin supports a monthly Zoom pet loss Mm -hmm. support group that I facilitate. It's usually on the second Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. Eastern time. It runs until 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And this one for November is coming up next Mm -hmm. Tuesday. So it's on the 8th. And you can RSVP by going to Dakin and checking, checking the RSVP link. It's actually it's it's in the description for this program and there is no cost and yeah, you can, which is great yeah so you can come to this meeting from anywhere in the country and anywhere in the world and we've found that people from all across every every corner are are taking part and it's really helpful it's really helpful for everybody who participates and so please don't hesitate to join us if it may be helpful for you and finally If you are watching this program on YouTube, or even if you aren't, if you go to the program 
on YouTube and subscribe. That's really helpful because then if people are looking for this kind of support, they are more likely to find us because when they look for a pet loss support and they're searching for that, the program is more likely to come up. The more people who subscribe, it'll come up higher on the list of resources. So just something that could be helpful to, to others as well. So I think that's it for our opening, Nancy. You want to get us started? Yeah, we have got a very heartbreaking but lovely um, email from Angela mm-hmm. about her cat, Millie. And so I'm, we're going to read it tonight. I also want to emphasize, like with Ken, that even if you don't want to or feel that you can't send us anything, writing the story mm-hmm. of your your beautiful companion animal, um, writing the story of your life with them, writing a story or sending a letter to them, mm-hmm. or just getting things out on paper is really very cathartic mm-hmm. and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do send to us, and we really appreciate that, and if you, and then Angela did give us permission to share this, um, that, you know, it's, it's really wonderful, I think, for, like I said, for our audience, all of you out there to listen to these stories, because the themes are probably pretty much the same, but it just helps to, to talk about it and to, and to connect it to what your experience is. is. So I'm going to start and then I'll give it over to Ken. It's quite long, but that's why we like people to do whatever they need to do to talk about their their loss. Dear Ken and Nancy, my name is Angela and I'm writing to you from Tasmania, Australia. Firstly, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. In the two weeks since my beautiful heart cat, Millie, passed, I have listened to many of your podcast episodes, and they have brought me a lot of comfort and an understanding of the plethora of emotions I have been feeling. Like for other listeners, your podcast has helped me to feel sane and realize that my feelings in this situation are totally normal. So thank you very much. I wanted to share the story of my Millie with you in the hopes that it potentially may help others, like other stories on your podcast have helped me. Forgive me, this may be a long email. You are more than welcome to share her story, even a short, shortened version on your podcast, but totally fine if not to. My husband and I adopted Millie, a small Siamese girl. I have attached a couple of photos and she, they're Beautiful. Really beautiful, yeah. I will show that. Very striking. At the end. Um, from our local shelter uh, a month before our wedding in 2016, or 2016. Um, she was five when we adopted her, and we don't know much about her past, except that her previous owners reported for animal abuse of her. Oh, my God and she was surrendered by them to the shelter. Because of this abuse, she was a very shy and scared girl when we first adopted her, and I worked hard to socialize her and make her feel safe and comfortable in her home. Millie and I formed a beautiful bond, and she came totally out of her shell and blossomed into a confident, sassy, loving, and playful cat. 
She was still uh, extremely anxious when going to the vet, though. This was something we could never really help her to overcome. Her favorite thing quickly became just being a part of everything my husband and I did. She would sit with us at the dinner table. <laughs> I love that. Um, and let's see, it's this very small print. I'm sorry. Um, sit at the dinner table, sleep in between us, watch movies with us. She even had a little stool in the bathroom that she would sit on whilst I showered. <laughs> Basically, when I was home, she was by my side. Uncharacteristically for a Siamese, she didn't have a voice, maybe from an injury from her previous owners. How sad. Yeah. And would silently meow despite this. I always felt like her. And I would communicate so well and understand each other's wants and needs. I have had cats growing up, but until Millie, I never, I had never felt a bond like this. She was truly my heart cat. Over the next five years, she moved interstate with us, and we adopted a sister for her, a black cat named Freya, to keep her company whilst my husband and I were at work. Although Millie and Freya never became bonded, per se, they played, cuddled, and spent all their time together. In February of 2021, after some respiratory issues, Millie was diagnosed with nasal lymphoma and over the following seven months underwent eight of 12 rounds of chemotherapy, which included weekly vet visits for chemo or blood tests. This period was ter terribly anxiety-inducing for us all, especially Millie, who had to spend whole days at the vet getting chemo. We were lucky enough to have an incredible cat-only vet, and all the vets and vet nurses quickly got to know Millie and accommodated her high anxiety. The chemo was working, but a side effect ended up being a total loss of appetite and significant weight loss. To counteract this, Millie's chemo was stopped early, and she got a feeding tube. Unfortunately, the feeding tube caused an infection, and Millie was rushed into surgery for this infection. Luckily, following the surgery and a strong round of antibiotics, she recovered and eventually started eating for herself again, and the feeding tube was removed. This entire period was extremely stressful for all, and, dur and during which I worked from home to care for Millie. In August of 2021, Millie was declared in remission for the lymphoma, and we were so happy. Um, I'll do one more paragraph and then. Okay. In April this year, she had all her teeth removed as they were rotten and had been since we adopted her. She bounced back from the surgery very well, and by July, her mouth had healed and blood testing showed no um and anomalies. My husband and I felt at last she could live a happy and pain-free life. She spent the next few months living her best life, sleeping in the sunshine, eating heaps, playing like a kitten, and cuddling with me, my husband, and our other cat. In mid-September 2022, just a few days after her 11th birthday, <laughs> Millie stopped eating. After the eating 
and feeding tube issues in 2021, this raised a major red flag for me. So we got her to the vet the next day. It was then we found out she had catastrophic kidney levels, high creatine, urea, etc. And she was rushed to the emergency vet hospital and spent the weekend there hooked up to an IV drip, diagnosed with an acute kidney injury, cause unknown. Over the following week and a half, she spent days at our cat vet on the IV and nights with us still on her IV. As the vet knew due to her anxiety, she would be happiest at home. This was a huge learning curve for my husband as we learned how to use the IV machine. Her kidney levels halved over this time. After 1.5 weeks on this, her body could no longer tolerate the IV and she was sent home with daily subcutaneous fluids administered by us plus a suite of pills and painkiller injections. After a week of this blood test confirmed that her kidney levels had increased again and she was diagnosed with end-stage kidney disease with not much time left. My husband and I were totally devastated. The vet informed us that we would soon have to make the decision to put her to sleep. I could barely cope with this time and lost my appetite and couldn't sleep. Despite this, we tried to make the most of the time we had left with her. I also called around to find vets who could administer at-home euthanasia. As knowing her anxiety at the vet, I wanted her moment, her final moments to be at home, feeling safe. She spent another week with us, and on Saturday, the 15th of October, she was alive, but she wasn't living. Her beautiful blue eyes were dull. She was restless and couldn't sleep. She had stopped eating and purring, and most of all, did not want to cuddle with us, her favorite thing to do. We didn't want to cause her any undue suffering and wait until Monday, so we decided to put her to sleep that day before the vet closed for the weekend. Unfortunately, the only two vets who do at-home euthanasia, were either sick with COVID or on holiday, so we had no choice but to take her into our usual vet for the procedure. It was the best option we had available to us. She passed peacefully in my arms at midday. In the two weeks since, I have felt so many emotions. Firstly, relief, followed by extreme guilt for the euthanasia decision and having to do it at the vets rather than at home, and of course, devastation and sorrow. I felt like I didn't want to exist in a world without her. The sharpness of these feelings has lessened as I work through my emotions with the help of your podcast and by talking to my support network. Now that the dust has settled, I am mainly feeling deep sorrow, but also overwhelmed at how unfair her life was. She suffered abuse, cancer, infection, dental issues, and then kidney disease. I hate that in her short 11-year life, she had to endure so much suffering. She was so sweet, forgiving, and loving, so innocent. Why did she have to endure such suffering? I can only hope that the six years spent with us, which feels too short, we're able to, we were able to show her love, bring her happiness, safety, and the family who truly cared for her. I just can't seem to overcome these feelings of her deserving so much more in life and guilt that I couldn't give it to her and that I could not make her better in the end. We have collected her ashes and she is sitting in a blue urn, the same color as her eyes, on a sideboard in our lounge room. 
with her family where she belongs. I miss her so much every day and I will miss her for the rest of my life. She was once a once in a lifetime cat and we were so lucky to have had the pleasure of knowing her. Thank you for reading my words. It has felt cathartic to write about all the anxiety and sadness of the past mm -hmm. few years, Angela. Well, we thank Angela. Yes, thank you, greatly. Angela. I'm going to show the little girl. Where I'm, there she is. There she is. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. You can't it's see the blue, striking. but it her eyes. Whoa, so, yeah, are so beautiful. Um, there's so much here, uh, you know, Ken, you and I talked about this before the podcast as, you know, she adopted, right? A lot of us rescue animals. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of those animals rescued have had histories that are not pleasant mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or have bad abuse cases mm -hmm. or neglect cases. Um, and so... Thank you, Angela, for doing for picking Millie up and taking her home with you, your you and your husband, um, because you gave her a wonderful life. Yeah, I mean, the time you had with her was so I mean, such intensely loving and caring. And mm -hmm. when you described the IV machine, I had a I had a cat for a few years who needed subcutaneous fluids a couple times a day, and and other things as she debilitated further. And, you know, that's such a labor of love, but it sounds like you, are, you and your husband had even more elaborate mechanisms that you had to attend to to care for her. And that's, that's very taxing and very stressful. And it sounds like you did that with such grace mm -hmm. and such love. And I, I appreciate very much that you flag this point about when we adopt an animal who your cat was five years old at the time mm -hmm. you adopted her and had been through hell, it sounds like. There's there's this sense that somehow you want to make up for that. Yeah, of course. That you'd like to fix it. And and you, I mean, you, you did. You went <laughs> way above and beyond. But there's always, it seems, this sense of why did this has to ha have yeah. to happen to this beloved little soul who's so innocent? And why did why does anim any animal have to go through this? And why couldn't we have prevented that from happening? Because because there is there is there is so much longing that happens in grief. There's the longing for the loss mm -hmm. not to have happened, and there's a longing for everything that ever should have been different. Right. right. And and that's part of what we tend to experience. And so I, I thought it was very important. Nancy and I thought it was very important to share this story because you capture that, that it's not mm -hmm. only that she had to go through all of this medical treatment, but that this came after a time when she was just abused for years. Horrible. Really, really horrible and sad and and but it's a wonderful heartfelt story. Mm -hmm. And I think you also capture, and we, and we, we, I know that this pattern is something that I, I hope I should say this pattern is something that's helpful to many people who listen to a few of these programs is that you are working, you, you feel certain intense, very distressing feelings and you express them and then you, 
you work through your emotions and you talk to people, you talk to a support mm -hmm. network, you don't go it alone. And it's just so vitally important to repeat that over and over again. It's very normal to feel all sorts of changeable, very, very distressing feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's usually very helpful for people to share them with others whom they love and respect. Mm -hmm. And also, like uh, we were just saying, and, and what Angela went through during that period of time that, that he, uh, Millie was so sick. You know, um, and all of the, there was that stress she talked about all the time, yeah, yeah. right? That intensity, that I, we, all of us that have our our animals can feel that anxiety with you. Mm -hmm. You know, is she going to be okay? How is she going to be okay? Is today a better day? Is tomorrow not going to be a, a good day? And and all the way through all of those things that she was struggling with. And then also then a few months, she had a great, you know, she was at a great life and she was outside and then the sunshine and cuddling. And then the kidney issue started. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing that I thought was so poignant here was the way that Angela and her husband were so keyed into her Millie's decline and Millie's turning away from life. Yeah. Because right. When we're dying, we tend to go very internal. We tend mm -hmm. to look less outside at the world, less outside at those who we've been so connected to. It's almost like we're paying attention to something new and something else. And they really saw that when she talked about how she just wasn't so connected anymore and her eyes were dull and mm -hmm. she, she wasn't the same. She wasn't purring. She wasn't eating, you know, all those kinds of things. She didn't really want to cuddle with them. She was withdrawing. Mm -hmm. And they she understood that. Mm -hmm. She was dying. They understood that yeah. she was dying and very lovingly said, we're not going to wait another day. Exactly. And they, Angela is holding her when she, when she passed into the next realm. And I mean, that's, there's no better way for our pet to leave this world. To be surrounded by those and held by those that love mm -hmm. them so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what, I don't know if I said this on a podcast before, but I listened to a, a veterinarian who's kind of a celebrity veterinarian, but mm -hmm. um, who's actually in New Jersey. And he said, and in being a vet for so long, um, one thing that he would always recommend is to be with your beloved animal when they die, mm -hmm. if you can. I mean, obviously, sometimes that's impossible, but to really hold them and, and be with them. Yeah. And that was what Angela and her husband were able to do, even though they had to make that decision and they were feeling a little bit guilty a little bit about that, but also guilty that, oh my God, she had such a horrible life five years prior to us yeah. taking her home yeah. and what she had to go through. Right. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting point because, you know, I, I feel that way about animals and about people. Like you want to be with somebody who you love when they're dying. And, and, you know, sometimes you can't be either for logistical reasons or because, it's just something you can't yeah, just do something. emotionally. I, and right. you know, maybe somebody else will be present and, and provide support. And you know, we know so many families went through the 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 great pain of being separated from their family members yes. while they were dying during COVID. Right. But it's such a it's such an important 
thing if you can be present, if you can, you can right. be touching them, if you can be holding them or have a hand on them. And it's because it's moving and important for you who are left behind too. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it'll be something that you will come to see as important. It was interesting because that brings me back when we were together in the hospital and I worked in the emergency department and obviously it was a trauma hospital and unfortunately Mm -hmm. people came in and they died. And -hmm. I think one of those people you had just seen because she had come to visit her Mm -hmm. husband and so we tried to work with people to say, listen, you don't have to, but we recommend coming in and seeing your loved one. Mm-hmm. In a hospital, though, they're all with the tubes and everything. Yep, yep. So we have to make sure that people know that. Some yep. people can't, and that's okay. Yep. You know, they're not able to. And others do. When you see that, it starts a healing process. Yeah, it, it brings the reality mm-hmm. of the loss to, there's no denying it. I mean, it's harder to deny. We we still might go through the the numbness and the disbelief and whatnot, but it's it 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 keys us into the to the reality of what's mm-hmm. what's happened. Be, right. Before we close, there's one point that I want to, more on a more positive note. When Angela mentioned that their cat Millie slept between them, I kept thinking, <laughs> my ex wife and I would would always find. Reginald sleeping between us. Reginald was one of our two. That's guys. where they go, right? And they have to would be. laugh. She would laugh because I would start falling asleep and Reginald would start doing this to me. Start <laughs> brushing his paw, I guess, across my nose. Just as I was falling asleep and she would be giggling and I would wake up and I'd look at him and he'd be like, I don't know, what are you looking at? <laughs> What are you looking at? Well, you know, they, they take up all the bed, even though how, <laughs> how small right they are, between right? Us, right between us with the two pillows, our heads, and then his little cat head, and his like paws. <laughs> but those well, are the things that, you know, you remember a long, long, long afterward. That's because they're, uh, they're so special. Yeah. And at the same, as I say that, I can remember his dying time he had he had he got this cancer that came out in his mouth and we we worked with the vet on that for a long time until the vet told us that it was it was really uncomfortable because he started pawing at it yeah we had it for a while before we all made the decision that it was time to let him go because it it was really terrible it was it had grown uncomfortable when before it was just there it didn't seem to be uncomfortable but it's interesting as as the years progress, we sort of remember all of all the, the good stuff, the, the bad stuff, yeah. the, the painful stuff, the funny sure. stuff. Because they're they're part of our lives. They get yeah. woven into the tapestry of our lives. Yeah. And I mean, when she uh, Angela was talking about the IV, I mean, when Hank got diabetes, right? I had to do insulin. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. Times yeah. a day, and that was scary, right? Because you could you had to get it subcutaneously not in his in yeah. his skin uh in, in into his body and so and that was we did, did it you just yeah. do it because yeah. you love them and you do it yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you learn how to do it yeah <laughs> yes you do well we want to thank angela yes. greatly once again for sharing with us and for sharing pictures of her beautiful oh, Millie. Millie and freya too we have a little picture of freya. <laughs> 
As I wonder well. if here, here, I got it. <laughs> oh, where I always get back. Well, yeah, there's a black cat. It is a black yep, cat. Yep, right? yep. So, there they are. Them. So it's thank beautiful. you very much. We appreciate yeah. it. We know that others will appreciate this too. Yeah. And I just want to remind people, if you, if you might send us how you are, how you are taking care of yourself during your grief through the holidays, any things that you are doing to just help yourself with your grief as we yeah, we really appreciate business. that because I think yeah. it would be helpful for others too. Yeah. Yep. All right, Nancy. Well, great talking with you. Yes, it is every week. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.